The Lord's Supper is uh, soon approaching, and it's always a time of reflection when we think of the Lord's Supper, of what Jesus did for us. And I find it's very um, fitting. The, the songs we sang tonight dealt with the cross and, uh, and the blood and, and so forth. And uh, let me say this here. We, we believe uh, that the shedding of blood is needed for the forgiveness of sins. And it was the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed, and I'm thankful for that. And, and we sang songs about the blood and about the cross and, and so forth. And I just want to read to you just a, a statement out of one of the songs we sang. Song number 60 is the way the cross leads home. And it, it says, I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way, um, the path that the Savior trod. And I'm thankful that uh, um, He walked a path that He was shed His blood for all sins. Amen. And so we're going to learn tonight about that, and uh, we're going to do a few studies here. Pastor has me lined up to preach a few sermons here over the next uh, few services. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, the picture of the Lord um, regarding, the, regarding communion, the picture of the Passover. And so uh, Matthew chapter number 26 is where we're going to start this evening, Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be in several other passages of Scripture. Normally, I like to just take a part of section, um, but uh, lately I've been more in different verses and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to look at some, some pictures of, of the sacrifice of Calvary and what Jesus did for us when He died on the cross and just this picture. Um, in the next service, we'll look at uh, um, prophecies of, of Calvary. And then we'll look at the price of Calvary, and we're going to do a specific sermon dealing with just the blood and looking forward to that as well. And so we're going to look at a few of these things in preparation for the Lord's Supper, just to be reminded of these things, because He said this, do in remembrance of me, and we need to remember what Jesus did for us when He died on the cross. And so Matthew chapter number 26, beginning in verse number 26. The Bible says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the, look at these next two words, New Testament. You ever wonder where we get the word New Testament and Old Testament? Well, there it is right there. And so we find that. And uh, you say, well, where does it call it the Old Testament? Well, when you read in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the, the older covenant. And that's what that's referring to there. And uh, Jesus came and he fulfilled everything from the first covenant. So now he's the, the New Testament for us. He, he, all those things were a shadow and he was the figure, if you would. And so it's kind of like this. There's a cross and there's a shadow. And all those things in the Old Testament were a shadow. And here's the cross and he's the actual thing and so or the cross is the actual thing and so now it is being fulfilled and so again let's look at verse 28 it says for this is my body or excuse me for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins but i say unto you i will drink i will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom and when they had sung in him they went out into the mount of olives. And we'll go ahead and pray here this evening. Father, as we come to you, Lord, God, we look at this time as we think of the blood that was shed for us, your body that was uh, um, nailed to a cross. We think of the crown of thorns, the whips, God, just uh, all that you did for us and you died and you rose again. God, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for 
your great sacrifice that you gave on our behalf. You came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost, and you came to, to give your life a ransom for many, your word says. And so, God, I pray that as we look at this time, as we consider in just a few weeks your resurrection, God, that we would be reminded of, of just that great sacrifice, and it would God, convict us. God, it would compel us to, to serve you. Your word says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God, you, you've given so much for us. God, I pray that you'd help us to realize that and want to give for you. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So this is the night before Jesus would be crucified. And as we consider these thoughts and you study the Bible, um, let me just give you something to consider real quickly. Um, and Pastor and I are in agreement with this. This is the reason we actually celebrate the Lord's Supper on a Tuesday, because we believe that was the night that Jesus actually did the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says that Jesus would be crucified and that he would be in the earth for three days and for three nights. And when you consider this thought, I want to give you something real quickly. Uh, Jesus, when he resurrected on the first day of the week, um, that would have been Sunday. When they went to his grave to find him and they rolled the stone away early in the morning before the sun had come up, he was already out of the tomb. Um, he had already resurrected. Well, why is that? Well, because the Jews started their day uh, around this time. It would begin the next day. It's kind of like at midnight, you know, it's the next day at midnight. Well, the Jews started that whenever the evening started. So whenever evening, now the sun's setting, when that sun goes down, it would be considered tomorrow, like midnight would be considered tomorrow. That's how the Jews practiced. So Jesus had already resurrected before they'd even gotten to the tomb. So remember, three days and three nights. And so if Jesus did the Lord's Supper on a Tuesday... And they took him that evening and in the Garden of Eden, or the Garden, not the Garden of Eden, the, the Mount Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane. They took him and they had the mock trial all through the night. The next day they, they had the different trials and so forth. It would have been a Wednesday that Jesus would have been crucified. So during that day he's hanging on a cross. And so then you have Wednesday night and then Thursday day. Thursday night and then Friday day. Friday night and then Saturday day, and then at Saturday at the sunset would start the new day, Jesus would have resurrected. And you find when they went to the tomb early in the morning before the sun had come up, he was already out of the tomb. And they, they said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He'd already resurrected uh, before they'd even got there. And I believe, um, just looking at the Bible and how things line up, he, what, what we consider Saturday evening is actually what the Jews would have considered the, the, first even, or the first day of the week. That, that's how their timetable worked. Just like, again, midnight turns to the next day. Well, they did it at the sunset. So you look at that. Jesus was in the earth three days and three nights, and that matches up perfectly. Let me say this here tonight. You can't fit three days and three nights between Friday and Sunday. Um, the math just doesn't work, amen? And so what people call um, Good Friday, the math doesn't line up. And do we not believe the Bible? Amen, we're Bible believers. And so that's just something to consider here this evening. But as all this is going on, Jesus is preparing his disciples. And you have to understand here, as you, as you read this passage of Scripture and you compare Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then you look at the Gospel of John, whenever Judas finally leaves and he's there with his disciples and he's teaching them, and he's giving them promises, and he's encouraging them, and, and all these different things. In the midst of all of that, 
Um, they're fighting over who's going to be the greatest. Uh, they have no concept, really, of what's going to take place. And Jesus had continually told them that the Son of Man would be betrayed, the Son of Man would be taken into to the hands of wicked men, and, and that he would suffer and he would die. And, and he had told them continually of this, but, but they were so focused on themselves. And as uh, Brother Scholl had mentioned, Pastor Scholl, that they wanted uh, their own kingdom. They didn't want to see their Savior crucified, and Jesus had had continually reminded them and finally at this point he's saying look at this is a picture of what's about to happen and even in the midst of that they were still arguing and fighting isn't that like humans amen God's trying to do a work and here we are fighting over different things and I look at that and say man you know we, we need to learn from these people what not to do amen I'm not just what to do but what not to do so here they are and Jesus institutes what is known as the Lord's Supper, is what some would call communion. And he institutes this. He gives it to the apostles during this time, and they continue it on um, with the church that Jesus had established and has continued on from generation to generation to generation. That is one of the two ordinances that are in the Bible. Understand this here tonight. The ordinances that God has given are meant to remind us of the gospel. They have no saving merit in them at all partaking of the lord's supper will not wash away sins Amen. getting baptized will not wash away sins but they remind us and they take us back to what does wash away sins what jesus did for us and so you look at baptism the death the burial and the resurrection you look at the Lord's Supper and he's reminding them of his body and blood that would be broken and his blood that would be shed for our sins. Um, other groups say that uh, foot washing is an ordinance. And while Jesus did it that evening, it doesn't remind us of the gospel. It doesn't portray the actual literal death of Jesus Christ. It reminds us of how we as Christians should live, but it doesn't take us back specifically to picturing the blood of Jesus and, and so forth. And so you look at that, um, foot washing isn't an ordinance. Um, some people in church history practiced it as such, but it's not an ordinance. And so that's just a thought to consider as well. So looking at this, you say, well, real quick, uh, is foot washing bad? Well, no, it's good. It's a good humbling thing. Amen. To go wash somebody's feet. You ever do that? And it's, it's a humbling thing. Amen. And so, but uh, it's something we ought to always at least have that spirit that we're willing to do that for somebody. Really, I mean, down to the point where we're willing to wash their feet. That's a humbling thing. But nevertheless, you look at this. Jesus is telling them of what is about to take place. And so when you look at this, again, we don't believe that this is literal, um, the literal flesh of Jesus. We don't believe that this is the literal blood of Christ. It's a picture of what was to take place. And so he starts off there again in verse 26. Let's look at it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and break it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. Again, it took bread, but he said, this is my body. It's not literal, not literally his flesh. It's a picture. And then you look at, you look at verse 27, and he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, what is this? testament or covenant that he's referring to 
Well, we're going to look in a few moments here, but it's referring to the Passover. When you read all that's taking place, this is the third Passover that Jesus had participated in before he'd be crucified. That's how we know that the ministry of Jesus was a little over three years because he had three Passovers with his disciples. And so this is the last Passover that he's participating with them in. And, and so they're eating, and they're, they're eating this Passover lamb. They'd already um, participated in that, and they're wrapping things up. And in between every element of the Passover, they would sing a, a psalm. And so you look at the end of or look at verse number 30. It says, when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So they're singing psalms in between these different things. So they'd eaten of the lamb, they'd eaten of all the different things that were required of the Passover. They're drinking the, this, um, this, what we would consider grape juice. We would consider it non-alcoholic wine because that, uh, the, the, the blood that Jesus had was sinless and he wouldn't ask us to drink something that was tainted, amen? And so, because his blood wasn't tainted. He shed his blood and it was pure. And that's why we believe that uh, the cup that he um, gave them was unfermented and so it just been grape juice and that's why we use grape juice during the Lord's Supper so just covering some things here but as you look at all these different things they sang this hymn and that particular hymn that they sang as you look at the different order of the service of the Passover would have been Psalm 115 and so let's turn back there to Psalm 115 I want you to see this here this evening Psalm 115 and when you read this it actually goes back, for sake of time, we're not going to read them all, but it actually starts at Psalm 111. They would have different elements of the Passover, and between the elements, they would sing one of these psalms. And so 111 was one, 112 was another, 113 was another, 114 was another, and then there's 115. And that one was actually broken up into two parts. And so the last hymn that they sang is Psalm 115, verses 1 through 9. This is what Jesus sang after that last part of the, of the communion that he had instituted. So let's read it here tonight. The Bible says, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth, and forevermore, praise the Lord. That's what he's saying um, whenever they had done the Passover there. And I like that because when you think about it, it says that he gave his, sin, his blood to be um, for the remission of sins of many. And when you read this particular psalm, it talks about Israel, um, which is a nation. It talks about the house of Aaron, which dealt with the, the, the priesthood in the, in the Old Testament. But then it says, Ye that fear the Lord, uh, meaning it's not just limited to a certain ethnicity. Amen? Um, do you fear God tonight? 
I do, amen. And that means we get included in this blessing. And so when Jesus sang this psalm, as he looked out through the, through the pages of time, and he looked into our lifetime, he knew that there would be people just like us that would get saved and, and fear God. And this blessing that is, is pronounced in this psalm, we are partakers of that blessing, amen. I'm thankful that God didn't limit his grace to a particular um, demographic, amen. God didn't limit his grace to do a particular race uh, to ye that fear the Lord we get in on the blessing and so when Jesus shed his blood he didn't just have Gentiles in mind or excuse me Jews in mind he had Gentiles in mind also I'm thankful um, that he included us in salvation and he was thinking of us whenever he had shed his blood on Calvary and so now we're going to look at the, the picture of, of the Passover here. So let's go in our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now understand this here, this idea of the Passover, it has this idea of, of what theology calls and doctrine calls the substitutionary death of Christ. He took our place when he died on Calvary. He took your place. He took my place. We, we've covered this in, in other times, but remember whenever they were crying out uh, of Jesus and Barabbas, um, Barabbas was in prison and Jesus was on trial and they asked, who, who do you want? And, and they said, Barabbas, Barabbas. And they said, what about Jesus? And they said, crucify him, crucify him. And, and Barabbas should have died that day. But Jesus took his place. Whenever Jesus died on Calvary, there was a thief on the right and a thief on the left, meaning Jesus was in the middle. And they always crucified people in odd numbers, and they would put the worst offender in the middle. That's why Jesus was in the middle. He took Barabbas' place. And when you think about that, Jesus took the worst sinner's place when he died on Calvary. I'm thankful that he took my place and your place. And it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. Um, Jesus can forgive. Amen. I'm thankful he can forgive unto the uttermost. I'm thankful he can forgive. So this idea is when he was our Passover lamb, it was a substitute. We deserved Calvary. We deserved the nails. We deserve the crown of thorns. We deserve the whip. We deserve the plucking of the beard. We deserve the, the, the mocking and the punches in the face and the, the nails in our hands and, and the old rugged cross. We deserve that. On top of that, we deserve hell. But he took our place. The substitutionary death of Christ. And so a substitute taking our place. And so we have in Genesis chapter 3 the very first sin. And it was simply this. They disobeyed God. Did they murder? No. Did they steal? Well, they took something they shouldn't have, so maybe you can call it stealing. But you look at this. All they did was eat of fruit. But it was disobedience. Disobedience is disobedience. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Disobedience is disobedience. God said no. They said we're going to do what we want to do. It was rebellion. It was in, in man. Let me say this here tonight. We are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. For all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so this is the very first instance. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 3. They, ate, they partook of the fruit. We're not going to go through all of that. Let's look at verse number, um, we'll start in verse number 11. The Bible says, this is Adam and God having this conversation. And it says, And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Adam hid himself because he, he realized he was naked. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? See, he, he broke a commandment. This was the rule. And he said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And we're good rule breakers, aren't we? And that's just how we are. I saw a picture the other day, and I'm not trying to get political, but it, it showed a... Um, a bunch of cones all around a thing and there's fresh cement. It had like six cones around it and there's a footprint right in the wet cement and it said criminals where the footprint was and it says, you know, ban AR-15s and, you know, background checks and, and all these different things, stop butt stocks and all the, all the stuff about different gun laws and all that stuff. It's like, criminals don't care. Um, they're going to break the law and that's just how it is. You ever see something that says wet paint and what do you want to do? You want to see if it's wet and you want to go and touch it. Is that really wet? And that sort of thing. And we're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice and so uh, you look here they, there was a command and they they broke that command he said there i commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat verse number 12 and the man said the woman look at that right away <laughs> he starts blaming uh, you, you see the sin nature and then he starts blaming and isn't that like us as well first we don't do what we should do, or maybe we shouldn't do, I'm going to get all tongue-tied here. We break God's commands, amen, is what we do. And then whenever we're confronted with it, we start making excuses. That's just, you see it right from the very beginning, the very first man trying to cover it up. So the woman, he starts blaming Eve there. And then you look again, it says, whom thou gavest uh, to be um, with me. He didn't even call her his wife. He's like, the woman you gave me. I mean, you look at that's kind of just, I look at the dialogue of that's like, one, the world's going on here. Imagine after going home that night, hey man. And, and Eve's like, what do you mean the woman that God gave you? I mean, just, I, I'll just leave it there, hey man. And so he slept on the other side of the tree, hey man. And so there you go. But uh, you continue on there. It says, verse 12, again, we'll start over. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, um, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent. Right there again, blaming, not taking responsibility. So you look at that, ladies, we're in the same boat here, amen, is the man. We're sinners by nature, sinners by choice. And then you look there, it says in verse number um, 13, it says, the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, um, and I did eat. And the Lord uh, God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy heel, and thou shalt uh, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise um, his heel. And uh, then he go on to the begins to talk about the curse of the fall of man. But but. God begins to give the very first promise of a Savior. And it talks about this seed. It's the seed of a woman. This right here is a prophecy of the virgin birth of Jesus. We believe Jesus is born of a virgin. Mar Mary was a virgin. Now, she didn't stay a virgin. 
um, because Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters, amen? So that's something to consider there. But uh, nevertheless, um, you look at that, that was the promise. And the reason Jesus couldn't have an earthly, fa an earthly father would be because he would have had the nature of man. He would have had the sin of man. So that's why he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And that's why the Bible called him the Holy Child. And, and he's the Holy One of God. And so you see that there, he had no sin in him. And so I'm thankful for that. But you see this uh, miraculous conception is prophesied and then it said that it would crush his head but you would bruise his heel you say well what's that well the, the bruised heel I believe is Calvary that that serpent tried to latch on to give Jesus everything he had when he, when he went to the cross but Jesus Christ said I have power to lay my life down and I have power to take it up again up again he says no man taketh it from me he says I give my life he's the one that said it is finished I'm thankful he didn't say, I am finished, amen. He said, it is finished. You say, why? why is that? Because he wasn't done, amen. Three days later, he would raise from the dead. I'm thankful for that. But, but you consider all this, the devil thought he got Jesus when he bit onto him, when Calvary happened. But Jesus just simply crushed his head. He was just ready to step on him is what he was doing. And when, when did that happen? When he rose from the grave, hey man, and he proved he had power over death and hell and over Satan himself. And he's going to throw him in a bottomless pit. Hey man, I'm thankful for that. He's going to throw away the keys on top of that. I'm thankful for that. But you look here and you see all these prophecies taking place. And again, remember, when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood, we're talking about the substitution. So we're building this up. They, they, they sinned, they, they, they were naked, they needed to be covered. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, but it didn't cut it. Your works won't cut it, amen? You can't cover your shame with your works. And so what do you find here? Well, let's look at verse number 21. It says this, Unto Adam also, and unto his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Aside from them dying spiritually, this is the first time you see something literally dying, where it gives its life. Animals had to die. And when they died, God took the skins of those animals and made them clothing. Their figs didn't cut it. Works do not cut it. Amen. You cannot work your way to heaven for for by grace are you saved um, through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so God did the work for them. They couldn't do it on their own. Religion says do. Jesus says done. Amen. He did it for us. And so God covered them. This animal had to die. In order for their shame to be covered, something had to die. Again, the substitutionary death. There, it covered their shame. Now let's go in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Again, you're going to see these pictures of, of Calvary and Jesus dying for our sins. And so Genesis chapter 22, um, this is the, the account of Scripture with Abraham and Isaac, his son. And we'll begin in, in verse, we'll pick up chapter, chapter 22 in verse number 6. They're going up to Mount Moriah. And it says in verse number 6, And Abraham took the wood, and the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering 
So they both went up, so, the, so, they both, so they went both of them together. They came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar of the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, um, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And so you find here this account of scripture where God tempted or tested, I should say, um, Abraham to see whether or not he really had faith. Because as you look at the life of Abraham, there's a few times when he took matters into his own hands. And so I think Abraham learned the lesson. He passed the test. But in this, he says, where's the lamb? God will provide himself a lamb. And so here he is ready to sacrifice his son, knife in the air and all. And, and then you find God, uh, the angel calling out, and he says, you passed the test, and he was, should have died, but here's this ram caught in a thicket. And the Bible says at the end of verse 13, it says, offered him up for a burnt offering, look at these next words, in the stead of his son, the substitute, took his place. So, so again, we're talking about the substitutionary death of Christ here. When you look at the Passover, you look at the Lord's Supper, there's these pictures in the Bible, throughout all the Bible, of, of something that should have died, but yet something else taking its place. And that was all pointing to Calvary. Someone once asked, because we read about the word New Testament, and someone said, well, why did God write two books? Why an Old Testament and why a New Testament? And simply put, both of them, the New and the Old, um, revolve around Calvary. Um, the Old Testament points to Christ in the future. Uh, the New Testament points back to Christ as he's already finished the work. It all revolves around that. And so you see here, it's not two separate books. It's this. It's a complete story of what Jesus had done for us. So all of these things are pointing forward to Calvary, pointing forward to Jesus. And so we looked at these pictures. Now let's look in Je Exodus chapter number 12. Because they, when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, it was at Passover. And he said, I'm starting a new covenant. Well, what's the first covenant? Well, it's found here in Exodus chapter 12. And you're going to see here what has taken place about this Passover lamb. And then we're going to look at a few other things and, and wrap up here tonight. But Exodus chapter number 12, beginning, and we'll, we'll just read through this account of Scripture here. Um, and, and verse number 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month, shall, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So he's establishing a calendar here. And this is the first month. The first day of the first month. Verse number three. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, 
on the 10th day of this month. So now they're, they're doing some preparation. So he's starting this month, um, but 10 days here. So there's a time here. And that's why they call the Passover week. Jesus was in Jerusalem during that Passover week and there's different sacrifices. And he died on the day that they were sacrificing lambs. It's just the way things line up is just amazing here. This is during that, that time frame. So um, you continue in verse number um, three, speaking to all the congregation of Israel saying, in the 10th in the day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Um, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Remember, we talk about the evening and, and so forth there and just how the time frame works out. That's why um, when he did this, it was in the evening time, the Lord's Supper, not the Lord's breakfast. Amen. So just something to consider there as well. But as you look there, it says in the evening at the end of verse, seven, verse 6, and verse number 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides uh, posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it and they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it eat uh, not of it raw nor sodden at all with water but roast with fire um, his head with his legs and with the uh, pertundents um, thereof and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And so you see here this lamb. And so he's instituting this first covenant. And so he says, take this lamb. This is, this is a new month to you. And he has all the different timetable. And then finally you're going to kill this lamb. And, and you're going to get the blood of that lamb. And you're going to get it. And you're going to put it on the side here of the door. And on the side here of the door. And on the upper post of the door. And when you look at that and you draw a line this way. And a line from blood to blood this way. What does that make? It makes a cross right there. And so you see this picture already in the Old Testament, and it was a bloody cross on top of that. And when you think of what Jesus did for us on Calvary, he shed his blood for us. It was a bloody cross that Jesus endured for my sins and for your sins. And so you look at verse number 11 now. And thus shall ye eat of it, um, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. My wife always tells me I eat fast. Well, there's a reason right there, amen. And so, but look at the next part. It is the Lord's Passover. The Lord's Passover. Verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. So, so who will pass? I will pass. So the Lord will pass. People talk about a death angel. He says, I will pass. Amen. So that's something to consider as well. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood 
shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So you see here that this Passover lamb, and when Jesus died for our sins, he said that was the first covenant. This is now the, the, the new covenant, and, and I'm instituting this. That was a picture of what was to come, and, and now I, I am the fulfillment of that. And you notice it was a lamb that was to, to, to be uh, taken, and it was a firstborn lamb, and Jesus was the firstborn of the Father, amen, and, and it, was a, it was a lamb without blemish, and Jesus had no sins, amen. I'm thankful for that. And so you, you consider all these things and, and Jesus said, take drink. This is my blood which is shed for the remission of sins. And, and you look at that. These people escaped death by the blood of an innocent lamb. And the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Understand this here today. When you get saved, that blood is applied to your life. You escape the second death by the blood of an innocent lamb the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus Christ so this is a picture of what Jesus did for us and so it was a lamb so now go in your Bibles to the gospel of John chapter number one John chapter number one so John chapter number one and we'll look here in verse number 29, John the Baptist is preaching and he's baptizing and people are coming to hear him and he's preparing the way for the Lord. He does a good job, amen, preparing the way. And so John chapter number 1, verse number 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of of the world. You see that there. And Jesus is our Passover. And he came to deal with our sins. Why? We couldn't do it on our own. He had to do the work. And so you look again now in chapter 1, verse 35. And it says there, again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. Again, he calls him the Lamb of God. Um, he is our Passover Lamb. Now go in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We'll look here and we'll be wrapping up here in just a few moments. But Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And, and you look at here Hebrews chapter number 9. And there's so much in here. I wish I could just go through all of this. This is just so much in this, uh, in this passage of Scripture. But Hebrews chapter 9. And real quick, we'll look at verse number 18. I want you to see this here. It says, Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. What was the first testament? That was Exodus chapter 12. And then you look at verse number 20. It says, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. And so now it's talking about a new testament here. And it says, Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. So it's still talking about Moses there, but we know that there's a New Testament coming. Verse 22, um, And almost all things um, are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is, is no remission. 
And when he gave the, the, the Lord's Supper, he said, this is my blood, drink, for, for the remission of sins. And so there's a connection there. You see that? So he's giving a New Testament. And so you look at verse number 28, and it says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him um, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So he bore our sins, um, and he offered himself for us. That's why he came. And so when we're looking at this, he took our place. He bore our sins. You ever have something that's uh, too heavy to carry and someone has to come and help you carry it? I remember when we got our first elk and, and me and Eileen were out there in, in the mountains and Brother Armando was with us and we had hauled up one, our first elk and we we're trying to get the second one out there and it was just so tough. And, and there was me and Eileen, we're carrying this, this uh, calf on both our shoulders and we're struggling and Brother Armando just comes from behind just picking a thing up and just hauls it off there. He bore that elk for us. Amen. We couldn't do it on our own. And when I think about that and, and the weight of sin and the law and, and just all that it takes to be righteous, I can't do it on my own. He bore our sins. He shed his blood. He took our place. He, he took the weight. He took the brunt of it. He, he took our place. It's a, our substitute. And so now you look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. So Hebrews 10, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So it's that new covenant, the New Testament. Um, he didn't uh, destroy the first, he fulfilled the first is what it is. He didn't, it's not bad. He fulfilled what was required and then he created this second. Verse number 10, by the which we are, we, um, by the which will we um, are, excuse me, by the which will um, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. I love this here. Once for all. Amen. He's not going to go to Calvary again. And when he did it, he, he came to deal with the sins of the world, amen, and once and for all. And you look at verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so you see here that there's the Old Testament and they do all these different sacrifices and every day they're sacrificing and every day they're sacrificing for this sin and for this sin and for this and, and every month they're sacrificing they have all these different ceremonies and every year they're doing the Passover, another year, another lamb, another year, another lamb. But Jesus Christ, when he comes onto the scene, he says, I'm going to fulfill it. Uh, it's going to be once and for all. And, and as I do this, um, you know, they, they never sat down the priest, but whenever Jesus gave his blood and died on the cross, it was once and for all, one sacrifice for sins. The priest never sat down because as long as there were sinners, there was a need of a sacrifice. And let me say this here, this world is full of sinners, but when Jesus Christ came, he came to take away the sins of the world, and it was once and for all. So when it was done, he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. His work is complete, amen. Aren't you thankful for Calvary? And so as we look at all these things, and if we consider the Lord's Supper here tonight, um, it's a picture of what he did for our sins. So let's consider these things as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. What sin is in my life? What sin is in your life? I don't know what sins are in our lives, but here's the thing. He died for our sins. He died for them. 
So why should we want to live in them if he died for those sins? And so I want to challenge us tonight. Let's examine our hearts. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you, Lord, I thank